Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, it was a record-ending weekend after Rangers finally conceded a goal and Hibs also conceded a goal from open play. All's well at Motherwell again and it was another meat-fest of goals with Shankland and Serrano with the pick of the weekend sizzlers. I'm Andrew Slavin and once again I'm joined by JJ Bull of The Telegraph and Motherwell's Laura Brannan. How are we all? Yes. Meat-fest. Oh. Meat-fest. <laughs> I thought you would like that, JJ. Yes. Um... Lamb Shankland and Serrano Ham, there you go. Oh, that's why, Lamb Shankland, I get it, I see. I got the Serrano bit. <laughs> for Lawrence, for Lawrence, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll get stuck into that uh, later on. JJ, how are you feeling? Obviously, it was the the, the Brannan-Bull derby yesterday. <laughs> oh, Sorry, yes. Say Sunday. Uh, Aberdeen, pretty pish. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, they definitely lost. <laughs> yep, yep. And Brandon's uh, absolutely Cheshire Catton on the Zoom ca- chat that we've got right now. She it has be been so a pleased. good week. It has been a good week. Yeah. And a good long game. time coming. Well, later on, we're also going to be speaking to AFP's Kieran Cannon to find out about the clubs that are in European qualification um, this week. But before all of that, there's some more games to discuss. For the rest of this month, this month being September 2020, you can take out a subscription to The Athletic for the frankly ridiculous price of just £1 a month. That's unrivaled football writing and analysis from the very best people in the business, a brand spanking new breaking news service and ad-free versions of each Athletic podcast, all for just £1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash Scottish show to get started. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Little chip from Boyles, brilliant, and hips are level. Christian Dodge, they've just begun to get themselves back into this match. That is borderline offside. It's so tight, and Christian Dodge scores his third of the season. Right, so. A pretty good watch at Easter Road. Hibbs breaking Rangers' defensive duck after Dre Wright drove the ball between McLaughlin's legs. Morelos equalised just before half-time. Scott Arfield then put Rangers ahead before Christian Doidge rose the highest to head in and restrict Rangers to a point. So did you guys catch this game? Because I watched all of it and I was really, really impressed. Two teams really kind of at the top of their game, uh, fighting it out. And it was, a, it was a great game to watch and with plenty of goals. I was very yeah. happy. I thought Hibs um, took the game to Rangers at times, which is, like you'd think a lot of teams would sit back and try and hit them on the counter, but they were trying to really uh, push them high. And things like playing the uh, like playing wing back so you could try and keep Barisic and Tavernier back, because they're always so narrow Rangers. And they're playing Ryan Kent and Hadji as wide forwards. They're basically... They're playing it in the 10 space, aren't they? Either side of the striker rather than wide, so then you get all your width from your fullbacks. And it, um, I think some of it worked. Uh, some of it worked, but I think what was yeah. interesting, they really frustrated. You spoke about how forward thinking Ryan Kent has been this season mm-hmm. um, and just how influential he's been, but he was so limited um, in getting forward and playing forward passes and moving into space. It was really condensed in the middle of the park. I think 
Hibs were just really, really structured. Um, I thought and, Gogic and where was they, superb again. To beef up areas of the pitch. Yeah. Gogic was excellent. Man, um, he's so good. We keep talking about him. He's he's really, really good. Also, Paul McGinn has been magic for Hibs since he's joined. Yeah, I agree. Like, properly, really, really, really decent. And Boyle so is Kevin um, Nisbet. Nisbet yes. was, was Nisbet tracking news. back. His defensive work work rate was 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 unbelievable at times. Um, there was the. I don't know. What do you uh, What do you think of? Chris Boyd at halftime said that Paul Hanlon should be banished to the shadow realm for his elbow. On a, so I watched this. Cut? I don't I don't know if you saw this as well, Laura, but I watched it really closely. And his argument was that, uh, and he was saying it with some, you know, real intent. Like I know what he I'm was wound about. up. He seemed um, wound up. Yeah. So I, uh, you can see just just there, just there. He lifts his hand. He lifts his hand, uh, and it, and he puts an elbow. But actually, if you look at it from I, I I can't remember what the angle is. It doesn't matter anyway. But his his arm actually brushes the shoulder um, of Arfield, which then elevates his arm, which then means his elbow hits him in the face. Oh, so right. it, it, there was no. You really analyze this. I like it. <laughs> oh yeah, because it wasn't a red card. It was a yellow because it's yeah. dangerous and you're putting your arm up. But it was a yellow card. It wasn't a red card. Sky were also quite negative on Yanis Hadji's performance in this game. What did you guys make of him? Because what? I, I thought great. he was I thought he was very good too. I did look at some of the the numbers. You know, he was second in the passing ratings. Um I think it was something like thirty four passes in the game. As in numbers or Yes, yeah, exactly. Of, I think yeah. I think the lowest number of passes was from Morelos. Um and he was second to that. But some of the passes that he did make were always really, really good. And I think that's why he's there. Is to to create openings for, for Rangers. So apparently it's his work rate. He's not working hard enough. Uh, I don't know. I disagree not, with that. I think not, he's been he's been good for yeah. games. I don't I don't think there's there's much missing from his game just now. I think he's been performing well. Um, I think it's a wee bit harsh to to home in on him. There's there's a few that Rangers are missing just now. To be fair, and obviously they've got their injury problems. Um, I think they're really missing Aribo just now. I think he's been he started off really well at the beginning of the season. He looked good in the early matches. I think he really kind of built up over the summer as well. Um, he was kind of given something different in attack, but I think they've, they've kind of missed him. Roof as well looked really good in the games that he, he started to kind of come into something before his injury. He looked impressive. And then there's Jack as well. I mean, they're always going to miss Ryan Jack. He's kind of the anchor in midfield. Um, he always kind of gets them well drilled. So I think they are struggling a wee bit in terms of injuries um, to kind of work around that and reshape but no I think I mean, they've, I think they've, they've the first eleven like, like if, I mean they've got a couple of injuries but I mean that first eleven they named is basically it could be their first eleven. Oh yeah <laughs> I, I mean they've got more than just a couple of injuries but that's the thing that they still name a very very strong first start in eleven that you would never really kind of blink at any other week and yeah. think, oh they're, but it's they're still, still not it's still not a team that would be um, Gerard's preferred eleven, given yeah. uh, who he's picked um, for the start of the season. So when you bring in a number though? of players, when you bring in a number of players, I don't know. It's the only ones that I think would not normally start would be Hellander. I think he wants to play Balogun at the back. Uh, McLaughlin seems to have taken over from McGregor. Maybe McGregor will get back in. And then Morelos wasn't playing at the moment because uh, he's at it. So then you've sure, got, but you have you have Kamara in place of Ryan Jack. You also yeah, have Arfield coming in. A very good player, I can do and that. And Morelos, well. who Morelos, who'd only really um, played midweek against Red Imps, and then at the weekend, and yeah, okay, he scored. But I don't know. I I, I kind of agree with Laura. I, I I think Rangers were missing Ryan Jack. 
I know Kamara was kind of at fault for the for the first goal um, for Hibs when um, Martin Boyle, Barisic as well, to be fair, because Martin Boyle's first touch was so heavy. I felt like Barisic, I don't know if Boyle had got into his head a wee bit, but if Barisic had just um, been a bit more aggressive uh, with his defending, he, he could have got the ball. Um, but Kamara could have also doubled up. I think they spoke about it in, in sports scene. Uh, yeah. Could have doubled up um, before Boyle put it in for Dre Wright to open the scoring. And yeah, Rangers losing the clean sheet records. But well, this I, is I it. Did... They've not they're not struggling at all. They've got they've had like was it seven clean sheets in a row, and then they come up against a team who've taken them on properly for basically the first time in the season, and they've dropped points. Like I don't think, and they don't have excuses of injuries. That first eleven is better than ten other teams in the league by miles. Yeah, and like, it's just that Hibs took them on, and also I mean. Like, they made it difficult, Hibbs. All you've got to do is block those sort of lanes. And then we're talking about this lack of killer instinct they've had over the last little while. Boyle did very well against them. Nisbet was good, we discussed. I thought Ryan Porteous was excellent and was going right into them. And that you had at the end of the game... We weren't happy about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> it Gerard and Tavernier refusing to talk to him as he went in. That was, I mean, I have to say, some of the imagery, some of the images coming out on Twitter at the weekend were hilarious. Like, Porteous, clearly just a proper wind-up merchant, just smiling at all of them. Like, he is a proper wind-up merchant. It's almost like he's replacing, like, Scott Brown's role as the one that winds up Rangers the most. You need that in the team. Exactly. This this is the kind of pantomime side of things that you've got to enjoy. This This goes back, though, doesn't it? Quite a few clashes between Hibs and Rangers that... Portis has been responsible for like, a few harsh tackles and maybe been responsible for some injuries that have uh, been caused in the Rangers team. And look, there's never been a there's no love loss here. It's um, he's he's got history. He's got past. Well, it was but... Stephen Gerrard who said that um, he accused Tavernier of uh, Ryan Portis supposedly accused Tavernier of being a bad loser. Oh wow! Um, then, what harsh Steve... words! No wonder <laughs> he couldn't talk to him again. That's gotta hurt. Even he sounds like all... an absolutely bad loser after that. Jeez, imagine not talking to someone who said that to you. There must be so many worse things said in the football but pitch then, than that. But then Gerard, I mean, it, it was playground stuff. Gerard goes, uh, responded with like, oh, I think Ryan Porte has got sent off in the last game where we beat them comfortably. So I think he's the bad <laughs> loser. That's not verbatim. That's but... <laughs> <laughs> so lame. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Porteous doesn't need to be doing this kind of stuff though because he is I actually really yeah, he think does. he's a really it's, good footballer I'm actually, like, um, they, got, they got a result that probably though. helps but that helps though they've got to be careful to get sent off and not cross the line and there's maybe, a couple maybe, maybe he's got an insight that Christopher Ayer's off to AC Milan and thinks that he can try and wrangle a move to Celtic well this is it like, what Portis is doing is exactly the kind of stuff that Alan McGregor was doing last season the kind of stuff that you get like heaps of Rangers players doing all the time like, you can't yeah, just he's, he's a kind of good he's players kind do of, it like, Terrier that you want in your team that winds up the opposition. That's what every team wants, and yeah. every opposition absolutely hates them for it. I'm all for this. As long as, it's the... as long as it's within like the like, it's the thing with football, right? I hate playing against teams who are aggressive and they just want to like destroy people. But if they are doing it within the in the game, like it's the battle within the game, then it's fine. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I, although, play... did you see the the off the ball incident that between him and Morelos? Yes. Because it no. looked it looked a bit like a headbutt. But there yeah, was but no real, there was no real cameras oh, that, that picked yeah. up pretty well. Yeah, I mean the the wides that sports it, it was showed. it was one of those where you see it in every single game. The defender gives the centre forward a little bit of a nudge to let him know that he's there, and and Morales goes goes down. 
but Rangers face uh, Willem Tway next in Europe. We'll speak about that more later. And Hibs go to Dingwall. So the glamour of uh, Lovely. Scottish football sometimes. But it was, we mentioned it earlier on, JJ against Laura on Sunday. Uh, we all thought it would be 1-0 to Aberdeen because it's always 1-0 to Aberdeen. And Paddy Power said that was the most likely outcome. But Motherwell had other ideas and he scored all three goals in the first 22 minutes to resign Aberdeen to their second defeat of the season. Mm. I mean, 22 minutes for Aberdeen to forget, but it was all a bit of a confusing start to the day because it looks like Scott McKenna could be a you know away oh, he's from gone. Aberdeen finally. He's gone. He's, it's deal is it official. Yeah, well, it's, it's three million up front from Nottingham Forest, two million add-ons that that are apparently they're very realistic. That will definitely hit it with a twenty percent um, sell-on fee. Which if he does well, and he will, especially in Championship, a and he gets taken up by I don't know Burnley or something like that. That could be a decent little bit of money for him if it's a long it was, contract as well. It, it was a surprise to me. As soon as I looked at Aberdeen's back line to see Rory McCrory, sorry, Ross, <laughs> Rory, uh, yeah. and in the right back position, which I was well, he's played, he played there a few times this season already as well. But this yeah, is the thing, and a lot of Aberdeen fans are getting wound up with this, right? What's it's going on? <laughs> well, exactly. It's the thing. So he signed Rory McCrory and put him next and put him in field next to Lewis Ferguson, and that has been when Aberdeen have played their best football I've seen in a long time. Because you get composure, good touch, a bit of aggression there, a bit of leadership, a bit of determination, like running just sets the tone for everything. And then he's moved him out to right wing back, he's played right back, but the whole team changed up and you can see the huge difference. Like Ash Taylor coming for McKenna and straight away you lose a bit of composure on the ball. Um, it's just not as good a player. Uh, Tommy Holman coming out was a big uh, thing as well. And then you had, um, what's his job, say, Funto Ojo, who passes forwards maybe once a game. He has no aggression. There's nothing aggressive about him whatsoever. Not that you need to be like flying in slide tackles, but he just looks like you could like blow him over. He never goes in hard. And like Motherwell had the run of that midfield in the first half. Three changes at half time is the minimum you could have done. <laughs> and it's well, the surprise it was Ojo Taylor. And again, it was the same McGinn came off, but like I mean Motherwell just took advantage of them from the very start. You saw well, the difference is, between what Campbell could bring and what uh, Aberdeen had was Well Laura, you were noticed. you were singing the praises of Alan Campbell and he was excellent again in this game. Um but Motherwell just seemed to punish Aberdeen for every single mistake that they could make. They were they were absolutely excellent. Yeah, it feels like uh, when I went on Twitter last night, once I got home from Aberdeen, it felt like everyone was just praising Alan Campbell. It felt oh, like they kind of started something brilliant. last week. And then people are finally realising how good he is. It's kind of like Motherwell's best kept secret in Scottish football is uh, how good this boy is. No, it, it was, um, I think it was a long time coming, to be honest. Um, like, spirits were never low um, during the kind of the bad run at the start of the season. There, there was never, like, heads never really went down, confidence wasn't gone. But it just kind of felt like everyone was just waiting for it to come. It was just waiting for it to click. And it, it happened on Sunday. It, everything just kind of clicked into place. And mm-hmm. I mean, we were all kind of joking, going, what, what is this? We've landed from Ireland in some parallel universe called the season 1920. But <laughs> I mean, that's just like, we were having a laugh with it. It was great. It was um, very much hard work finally paid off. Um, yeah. Everyone kind of learnt from their mistakes, uh, really kind of came together. I thought some of the boys, uh, Alan Cam was getting all the praise, but there's boys like Tony Watt, I think, was so hard working off the ball. He was excellent, uh, yeah. He really was, when he came uh, the, I mean, is this, as I was kind of talking about last week, that if you're not 
a striker scoring goals, you're criticised for it. It's very easy just to kind of see it as black and white like that. But Tony Watt, was his work rate was incredible, the mm. way he kind of drove that team on. So there was a lot of boys. Bevis McGabby as well. To see him scoring his first goal for Motherwell, that was a great moment as well. He's Played been, well, uh, that boy as well. Yeah, he's, he's done well since he's came back into the team uh, again. So no, it's, uh, the atmosphere is great, and it's, it was. I mean, it was surprising, especially to, uh, inside 22 minutes to have the game wrapped up. It's just it's not really kind of the Motherwell way of late. But it's and the thing with it is, well, like uh, so I would say to him, uh, Motherwell were the better team, but like, to to a man, they were the be- the better players in the day. But then you look at the way it falls apart. Like, that the penalty was harsh, but it's a penalty. Like, it's, it is, and then Joe Lewis maybe like his first the first time I've ever seen him do that. Where he kicks the ball straight into him, which is a stupid goal, and that's your 2 0 down in trouble. And it was a set piece, wasn't it? Third? Yeah. Was it, was it from a corner? corner? Yeah. Was it, from it, was the first phase? Now, yes. First ball in. Yeah. Yeah. First yeah, just ball in. First time. Mugabe. That's the kind of thing you miss when you've got maybe McKenna there. I don't know. It's just, you can see why he makes the changes. Like, Motherwell deserve a win. Aberdeen just. Uh, why I don't know why he had to change it all. Maybe tired legs, you'd say, from the European but, but, game. But, but Motherwell was a European game. Well, we, I mean, Motherwell have played 120 minutes. Imagine changing your team so much and then it all goes wrong within 22 minutes. How do you recover from that? It's very, very difficult. But that's that's credit to Motherwell for being yeah, so clinical. We, a lot of times this season we've complained that we've not had luck on our side. And it, mm. it's, it's small things like that. As you're saying, a bad pass from the goalkeeper... A good ball in from a corner. We, uh, there's been there's games earlier this season where we watched easily twenty odd set pieces, like corners getting swung in, and nothing was coming off for us at all. And you're thinking, what's the point in even getting a corner because we know it's not going to happen? So to actually see it, it come off in the same game as a, a pack pass, as a penalty early on in the first few minutes, these are all kind of luck. It all just kind of comes together, and then you build in confidence from that. I don't think it's going to really do with the, the the game time during the week because I mean, as you're saying. We, both teams travelled, so both teams had the exhaustion yeah. from that. But then Motherwell played 120 minutes uh, of a very challenging game, and you could just kind of look at that and go, "Well, look, the confidence from that probably did the boys massive, like in terms of how well it was. Like they, they came away from that on a complete high to, to pull that off. So it's, it's, I think it's it, lasted well. Uh, the, uh, Motherwell deserved the win. I think McKinnis made mistakes, and he'll realise he shouldn't have made the changes he made. So looking at the Y scout, looking at um, XG, and looking where the table is, it's weirdly that. Uh, every single team apart from Celtic Rangers and Hibs is shooting under their expected goals but Aberdeen are bottom in the table there's XG of 6.25 is the lowest of any team in the league with five goals scored Motherwell are doing alright 8.84 is their XG but they scored six so it'll balance out but I mean it's okay Kilmarnock are shooting above it as well actually I've just told a lie there but yeah so Aberdeen uh, need to play their best team to be able to get back to that attacking football we were getting a couple of weeks ago uh, it did not work against Motherwell. And then next up is meant to be Sporting Lisbon. In the, like, <laughs> good luck, lads. Let's hope that Motherwell, Laura, you're saying that they're finally getting the rubber of the green. Let's hope the luck continues for them because they've got a tough ask in uh, Israel against Hapoel Beersheva. But we'll move on because it's time to talk about Lauren Shankland, finally. Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be 
This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. Looked like they have the taste for more. That's good trickery from Harks across the six-yard area. Weird away again. Chalmers will go to collect. Tate flying in there. Three kicks being given. Tate unhappy with that. That was a straight red. Colin Stephen, the referee, gives a red card to Richard Tate at St Mirren's second of the season. Mickey Mellon says Lauren Shankland is Scotland's number nine after he contributed to Dundee United's 2-1 win over St Mirren. Adrian Spurler added a second for United before Richard Tate was sent off and Dylan Connolly gave St Mirren a chance with a goal. Um, and what a not- sending off, Jesus. <laughs> wow, I know. Do you know what? See, when I, first, I missed, I missed the, the, the initial tackle and when I looked at it... Um, the boy he hit, didn't The, the replay... <laughs> And it was slowed down. I thought the feet were down, the studs were down, it was two-footed, but I didn't understand how he went into that tackle. I, I didn't think it was a red at first. Then I watched that again. Totally a red. Hey, do you remember in the old do you remember on the old like FIFA ninety seven games when you could push a button and it was like deliberate foul? It was like an attack. <laughs> attack yes. Yeah. You just you just do it all over the pitch because it was funny. That's so what like fly did. kick someone in the face and you're like, oh sometimes you'd get a yellow card in it. It was great. Oh man. <laughs> just so needless. My player that's that experienced um, in the corner there was no yeah. need I think just... Goodwin admitted um, after the match though that it, it looked like frustration uh, did it did it look like frustration <laughs> it looked it was the embodiment of frustration he said oh my no, god yeah. What he said. but yeah well, well we should talk about Lawrence Shanklin's finish because that is something oh, else beautiful yeah, into the air drops for Shanklin there it is Lawrence Shanklin with his first Scottish Premiership goal he scored 24 in 26 games in the championship last season. And that one is a stunner from Lauren Shankland. Absolute class, really. But Champions I mean, League final quality, that one. Yeah, but also, I mean, really poor defending. For him to have so oh, much Oh, come space. on. No. What? what? He's just hooked it in, the side volley. He's turned like 270 degrees to be able to I'm put that in. T- I'm taking nothing away from the finish. You but are. But for not to be a, a, a player in black and white on his shoulder... Um, I mean, he drops know, back makes and, and they're holding their him. line. But the, the the last line's holding their line. He just he drops away into space further back, which maybe the you could say the midfield maybe someone in the next line should be on him. But I, I don't think they're set up too badly. You should probably be yeah yeah maybe you're right. Yeah. Oh, it's br- it's brilliant for Shackland. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I'm really really pleased that he's got off the mark. But I still think he's a little bit um, raw. I think he's not he's not a hundred percent yet because in this game he had a couple of other chances which just felt a little bit. Like he was trying too hard. I think there's so much expectation on him right now that he just needs to. I mean, that that goal that he scored has absolutely announced himself, and he just needs to do his work quietly and not put too much expectation on his own shoulders. Because be quiet, just go and score more goals. Well, well yeah, he's, I know, he's, but he's been he's, out. He's, 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 missed, he's, he's missed yeah. so much time as well because of being out injured. That everyone's kind of got this eyes on him. Can he? Can he perform in the Premiership? All this this criticism he's faced whenever he's had Scotland call ups, and it's all right. Is he a Premiership player? Can he actually do the top division? And he's probably felt that pressure on his shoulders coming in and thought, right, I want to kind of hit the ground running. And he's he's done it in spectacular fashion. He's done it exactly the way a striker should. And now he just it's about him getting kind of match sharpness now and, and building up from that. Mm. But obviously, I think we should. Um, well, sorry, I was to say, like, talking about uh, St. Mirren and talking about XG in the last little bit, we're talking about Aberdeen Motherwell. Uh, the same thing seems to be happening this season for um, uh, for St. Mirren, as in they are creating chances 
and so that their expected goals was eight point four four, right, according to White Scout. But they've only scored five, and it was the same problem as last season: is that they were they should have scored way more than they did. Um, and I wonder what's going to happen because they, I mean, they were close to going down last season. So well, this is it: like four straight defeats for St. Mirren. It's not good reading, and this is when you think the likes of uh, their chief executive Tony Fitzpatrick before the season even starts says we will finish in the top six. I mean, that's just so much pressure that you're putting on uh, Jim Goodwin's shoulders. But he's not—he's Jim Goodwin's obviously said that they can finish in the top six with their side. But yeah. do you guys think they, they can this season? I think they can. I don't think they will. I think, yeah, I think they can. And I don't think they deserve criticism for wanting to and having that desire and coming out and admitting that they've got that desire. So, I mean, it's always kind of, it's easy to say, oh, they want to get top six and... They aren't quite making it, so let's all laugh at them and say oh, I was daft for them to come out and say stupid quotes like that. I don't think that's the case. It's great to hear that kind of positivity. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like everyone will be frustrated by it, but it's, it's good to have that desire. I, I'm not laughing at the quote. It's just I, I remember Alan Stubbs even coming out and saying after he got sacked after four games um, last season, which I think they lost all four or something like that at the start of the season, that that was an un, unwanted comment because Fitzpatrick has said it before um, so it's just one of those things sometimes maybe you don't want too much I don't think it's a manager's dream to hear that. <laughs> I think the manager's the one person that does not want to hear that <laughs> <laughs> well anyway uh, Dundee United will travel to Hamilton next uh, whereas St Mirren will host Kilmarnock um, so we move on to Celtic where there was Goals are plenty at Celtic Park. It was against Livingston who took the lead thanks to a Holt penalty, but Celtic back quickly to lead 3-1. Tension was hammed up, though, for the last 10 minutes as Serrano scored for Livingston. Thank you very much. Um, Thanks to Abby, actually. She put that in there. Serrano ham. Very tasty. A very tasty finish. Uh, But Celtic with the the win... (laughs) (laughs) Because ham, yeah? I'm hungry. I'm hungry, Mm. right? All right. Lennon said after the game that Celtic made life hard for themselves. It kind of feels like that's been the story of their season. They're winning, but it's not looking like it's easy for them. I know. I think I think they'll find form at the right time. It doesn't look quite all there yet, and um, I'd imagine at some point it's going to click. And the thing is, they're still winning every single game. I, I, I wouldn't. Don't think any Celtic fans need to worry about it. But. Um, yeah, I agree with what you just said. Yeah. I, I was kind of reading some of the, the Celtic fans' re- re- replies to Celtic's full-time tweet on Saturday, and some of it's a wee bit over the top. I think so, I've wrote down some of the things that were saying. For Celtic fans, no. Yeah. Um, this is a disaster waiting to happen. Um, papering over the cracks. It's going to be a long season, and absolute shambles was maybe my favourite one. I mean, to, to, win, to, to, to win three points and still call it absolute shambles, it's a wee bit spoiled. Yeah. Um, are, they not, I, I, are they not spoiled um, with nine title wins in a row, yeah. nine trophies in a row? <laughs> is it is it not the case though with Celtic fans that um, with the amount of money spent over the years and the fact that they're coming up against a side bottom of the table um, that they shouldn't have been cutting it so close at three two by I the mean, end? It was, of the it was a penalty and an absolute rocket. Like you can't. Yeah. And Livingston do cause problems for for a lot of teams in the league. I don't think at this stage of the season we should be calling them, you know, the team at the bottom of the table. The, the, the table is so tight right now that that's not I mean, really a kind of tag that we should be giving them. But then at home, yes, Celtic probably should be a lot more comfortable. 
but it's, it's no, as you're saying, it was a penalty and a, a very good goal. And he still got the points. It's, it's, it wasn't. It wasn't the only really good goal in this game because Callum McGregor. My oh. God, what a hit that was as well. Yeah. Um, I would say Serrano w- wins it. I think Serrano has the best strike of the game. That was uh, Julian Serrano's header. Gets it back. Great hit. Great goal. His first for Livingston. And how about this for a left footer? I like that Laura's been saying we shouldn't be calling Livingston the team bottom of the table, even though they're bottom of the table. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. No, don't give them the tag as the team at the bottom what of the mean? table. What do you mean? That's the bottom of the table. Bottom. Factually, they are. But, I mean, come on. That is, like Teams were, like, so close on goal difference. I mean, Mother were bottom, bottom on goals scored for, uh, for a week. No, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Should we point out um, Ryan Christie's impact on this game? Because yeah. I think he's he's having another superb season. Two assists and a yeah. goal in this game. The, the guy is on fire right now, which is, Laura, you'll be pleased. You know, another good reason that Scotland has, has a player of this quality. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one that I've always said I'd, I'd play up front for Scotland. As much as I know he's struggled in that position um, of late for Celtic, I, I don't know where he was playing on Saturday. I didn't see the full game. He was playing up front with um, with a, a, a Yeti. Um, no no Edward. That's still promising because I would like to see him in a very attacking role for Scotland. Uh, so to hear that he is adapting into that role a bit more comfortably, I think that's great. He's, he's a fantastic player. I think he also had a shout for a, a handball um, in the first half, was it? Like yeah, the when it was no. Oh, that's never. I don't think it was. You lost points for me for that one. I love Ryan Christian. <laughs> I think he's such a magic player that I thought he'd be player of the season last year. I, honestly, everything he does is so so smart, clever, quick, right on it. But you can't claim for a penalty when you would mash the ball off someone from five yards and he's yeah, on the ground. Yeah, I feel like was it, Brown just kind of fell on the ball. I don't know, JJ. I think I think if you if if it's happening in your team and you're on the pitch, you would claim just like no, you claim for a throw in, you claim for a corner kick. Even I if think it's game off you. I'd say the Marley Watkins one for Aberdeen. For you can go like like when it's when it's for your team, you're like it's a penalty. It's against like it never is. But that one, I think everyone <laughs> would agree, it's never a penalty. That one. Um, a few other uh, bits of news regarding Celtic, the like of um, apparently AC Milan putting in a 14 million bid for Christopher Ayer and yeah. also that the Odson and Edouard were was left out of the team um, well he was on the bench but he was tired um, according to Neil Lennon well, you know is he, he is it is it do you, do you think Christopher Ayer is is worth 14 million pounds is he not worth more than that I think he's potentially worth more I, re- I really rate Ayer very highly I think he's he's not Van Dyke but he is a Absolutely a player who can play, uh, I, I mean, probably Champions League level and do well in a team. He's maybe, I think a good time for me to move somewhere would be now because then he can get a little bit of coaching that he needs before he's too old to really take it in. Not that you stop learning, but you, <laughs> you know, you tend to be, players learn stuff young and then they, that's what they play like. And Lennon says 40 million is not enough. I don't know, I sold him in Football Manager for about 70 to AC Milan, so... <laughs> I think he's and right. Football manager is a good gauge, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah. obviously, a Yeti's came in for Celtic too, and I think that's four goals in five games uh, for him. When you look at the likes of Edouard being on the bench, the goal that a Yeti scored, he looks like he could be, you know, the perfect replacement for Edouard on first showing. In my fantasy team, yeah. <laughs> Which is going so well, JJ, for you. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so next. Uh, Celtic will face Hibs next. Uh, Livingston take on St Johnston. 
but two more matches still to come. Ross County's five games without a win came to an end at St Johnston as Ian Viger scored the only goal of the game with a free kick. A, a huge three points for, for Stuart Kettlewell and a clean sheet. So I, I don't know what Ross County did so well here other than defend because I think they only had four touches in the box. St Johnston were really unlucky in this game because they were by far the better team, but it was a game full of really poor quality. Yes, and the goal was awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it, Vigas is lucky for it to get credited to him. I think it was... Um, I, I can't work out if the goalkeeper has done anything wrong there because I don't know anything about goalkeeping. But surely, because I guess he's, the way the, the ball's hooked in from the right, from the set piece, so he's got to he's got to predict someone will head that to his left, but the ball is going to his right, yet it still ends up going past him. And as well, like when you're embarrassed about something like that, the first thing you do is blame someone else. That's the first thing he does. Come on! <laughs> Well, the thing is, it's it's always down to defenders to attack. Somebody has to attack the ball, and you want your players to be attacking it, not the defence. The thing is, nobody attacked this ball, and it ended up getting it's too high for them all to hit, though. I thought it just bounces over everyone's head. It's just a little bit too high, but then the keeper has to read it. You see it all the time. Like Even, I don't know, every single league in the world, the keepers get beaten by that. But I wonder if he's supposed to do something better. I can't say anything because I don't know anything about goalkeeping. <laughs> I kind of feel, feel like St Johnson um, the teams are kind of calling their bluff right now and kind of going okay right come and have a go what have you, what have you got what are you made of and then yeah. St Johnson kind of don't really know what to do with that they um, they kind of their teams are allowing them teams are sitting back and allowing St Johnson to have the ball and they kind of panic it's, it's kind of a bit like me when I'm playing FIFA and I get anywhere near kind of 30 yards in front of goal and I just go, oh my God, <laughs> and you do something and I lose all composure and it's kind of like they are, they are me right now. Um, I mean, they did it, Motherwell, um, when Motherwell had St Johnson at Fur Park, they did the same, they kind of turned the game around and went, okay, fine, you're the visiting team, but we're going to give you the ball and we're going to let you come at us. And they didn't really know what to do with it and it kind of feels like Ross County did the same at McDermott Park at the weekend there was a lot kind of good build up from St Johnson but nothing really came of it no end product I mean yeah. this is the thing you've got you've, they got, they brought in Stevie May they brought him back from Aberdeen they've got um, they've got Hendry in there and the efforts that they do have they're not even close they didn't really trouble the goalkeeper at all in this game but this this is the thing like the whole game was just so lacking in quality and that's why I realise it's such a huge three points for Ross County, especially when you look at the likes of um, their next couple of games. You know, they've got Aberdeen, Rangers and then Hibs, you know, all teams in the top six already. And Ross County are sitting in a good position already, despite, you know, uh, how many uh, how many games it was without a win. Five it was. So to be sitting in the table where they are and then getting that win and these games that are coming up, Kettlewell got a little bit of breathing space uh, when maybe at the start of the season we would have expected them to be struggling at the bottom half of the table. Yeah, I mean, they've got... So they've got Aberdeen Hibs, but they're, they're home both times against Aberdeen Hibs. So, it's, I mean, if the Aberdeen turn up that played yesterday, they, these are winnable games for Ross County. They're, they're in a very good position in the league right now, sitting fifth, um, as I say, very tight table, but... They've got teams creeping up behind them that could push them down very quickly if they do actually stumble in these three fixtures. I think there's a very, very big few weeks coming up for them to kind of set out their intentions for the season. 
Well, it's a big game for St Johnson next as well because they face Livingston, um, a game that they should really be looking at trying to win. Um, but Livingston will fancy their chances too. But the last match we go to is um, is at Killy, where they were 10 men um, against Hamilton. But uh, Kilty, Greg Kilty put Kilmarnock ahead before a Dauphin equalised for Hamilton. Brophy was then sent off, uh, but Hamilton couldn't capitalise on their advantage. And Kabamba, Nicky Kabamba, uh, scored the winner for Kilmarnock. What a first touch. To say, oh my God. <laughs> what, do you, mean, what? do you mean for the goal or, or the first touch they had where no, he, he took the goal bundled really himself well. over the ball? There's Buck. Kabamba's right through. Well, he's made a real mess of that. Nicky Kabamba because he was in on goal it's a beautiful pass from Chris Burke and Kabamba won't want to see that back in the highlights hilarious what do we have to add to it I mean he gets a pass through he's clean through on goal and the ball gets stuck under his foot and he rolls over it which I mean is obviously very embarrassing for him he's been sharing (laughs) a few of those Twitter accounts things like high quality Scottish football whatever it was I can't remember what it was yeah that's right Um, yeah but like we said Kabamba I think he's alright as a player Took his goal well. Kamarnik and Alex Dyer was really impressed with his team. Brian Rice was again really critical of his his team afterwards, saying how they're making stupid passes. I mean, the the, the ball that they give away for the goal was a pass that's hit across the pitch, which was never going to make it in the first place. It's a bad decision, but also badly hit. Yeah, I think um, I think Aki's deserved the criticism right now, though. That it's been. Very inexperienced sort of performances have been putting in. They've got very inexperienced players. Yeah, but I mean, they've scored one deflected goal in open play um, in seven games now. I mean, even for a team that everyone obviously at the start of the season tips to go down, that's still not good enough. Their, their attacking performances have been very poor. I mean, I they mean, looked like the team that were down 10 men. It's a bit- it's a bit unfair considering Hamilton have beaten Motherwell and Livingston so far this season. What yeah. In the last four games, they've won two and lost two. Or, or sorry, sorry, in the last, was it seven games, they've, they've lost three, four, five of them <laughs> and won two. To pick, up, to pick up six points so far this season is decent for Hamilton. The other thing as well is, is that Hamilton... Well, you just said that they've only scored like one open play. According to who scored... Hamilton's well, obviously not, but Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton and Ross County have both scored zero, and you're saying Ross County are playing really well. They're exactly the same. Like Ross County have scored four set pieces, Hamilton have scored four as well. Ross County have their other goals have been two penalties and an own goal. Yet Ross yes, County but the are getting. Is Ross County are pulling off points and they're not struggling as a result. Yeah, but it balances out over a season, and oh, Hamilton have got very young. <laughs> it, it, it mind, will, yeah. Bear in mind, Laura, that um, Hamilton are, are only two points off Motherwell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, hey! I'm cut, not saying cut, that. cut Hamilton some slack, eh? <laughs> God, she's she's gone from anti Aberdeen to anti Hamilton. It's awful. We've got to stand up for Hamilton. Um, like, like, we're not we're not analysing Motherwell's creativity right now. We're analysing Hamilton. I'm allowed to criticise him for that. <laughs> um, something I, I would like to mention is just like. How good is Chris Burke? Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, that run um, for the first goal for Greg Kilty. I mean, Kilty will take the the goal, but it's all down to Burke's good play. And we've already seen him absolutely smash in a free kick this season, which was top quality. So he's 36 now, Burke. Yeah, but he's just, he, he is the talisman for Kilmarnock now. Yeah. Um, he makes everything tick. It was Kilty last time out um, where Kilmarnock lost, but... I mean, well, I, just can't, I can't believe Burke is just finding the form of his life. 
You can okay. give you a stat that'll tell you how, how much they depend on him. 41% of Kilmarnock's play goes down the right-hand side, which is where Burke plays. It is like overwhelmingly the majority of their play. So Johnston's goes down the right as well, actually, weirdly. But I'm not really sure why that is. It's a different team. It'll be Matt Namara, the fullback. It is going to be that, isn't it? Yeah. Very, um, really heavy. Shouldn't be lying something on the side that, that much. I have to say as well... Um, really surprised that Nicky Kabamba seems like he's an all right player because when he first moved to Kamarnik, I almost fell off my chair. Like, <laughs> like, honestly, were you trying to control when, the football at Kabamba? Well, well, when he, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, when he first came, um, he he didn't have a exactly a, a superb season in the National League with Hartlepool. He scored a couple of goals, but it wasn't like he was that good. And I was really surprised that he was coming up to this level. Um, but I don't know what it is. If it's just his his stature, that like he's so strong that he 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 makes it so difficult uh, for defenders because it's very difficult to get the ball off of him. But he was a sprinter as a youth as a as a youngster, and he chose football. So he's actually really deceptively quick as well. Um, so I'm 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 surprised, but pleasantly so because Alex Dyer obviously has kept tabs on him from his time in lower league football, and um, I, I kind of hope that he can be. Um, the main foil with him and Kilty up front. So we'll wait and see uh, if if he proves to be still a, a, a good player. And I'm just surprised. Uh, but those games are done, so we're going to talk about Europe now. Yeah! You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and The Athletic. Four intrepid explorers head to Europe this week with the hope of making it to the group stage of the Europa League. How many will remain? Well, to help us answer that question, European football expert and good friend Kieran Canning joins us now. Hello. Hello. So some of these sides we know, some of these sides we don't know that well. So let's just go through them quickly, Kieran. We've got Riga hosting Celtic. Sporting Lisbon uh, will face Aberdeen uh, in Portugal. We've got Hapoel Beersheva taking on Muddle, which is quite a journey for them. And then it's Willem. Willem, how do you pronounce their name? Because I would say Willem 2. Willem 2. Willem 2. Willem 2 against Rangers. So what can you tell me about some of these teams? Well, we'll start off with Riga, probably, because they're the uh, for the least well-known to, to people because they were only founded in 2014. So to put that into context, Neil Lennon already had one full stint of a Celtic manager. But that was because they were they were the merger of, of two other clubs. So a bit like a very successful Latvian Inverness Cali Thistle, if you will. <laughs> um, in terms of, of a name, then you would think, yeah, even given some of the Celtic's problems in Europe over the past uh, few years in qualifiers, they should easily go through. But there is a, an alarm bell for Celtic fans in that Riga actually beat uh, Copenhagen 1-0 at home in the playoff round for the Europa League last year. And uh, Copenhagen obviously went on to to put Celtic out of the out of the Europa League. So in this sort of one off uh, tie format and playing away from home, you know anything can happen. That said, they were beaten by uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv in the Champions League qualifying already this season, and just beat San Marino uh, side Trefiori last weekend. Uh, last week, sorry, in um, quite a strange game because it was being played on the Thursday night when. Uh, Heavy winds or strong winds started blowing away the stadium, and they had to come back and do it all again <laughs> at like nine o'clock on the Friday morning before the, the really? draw for the, the playoff round oh, was, of course. was completed. Yeah. So, 
there's all sorts of uh, potential complications there. You know, will, will there still be a stadium standing for the game to go ahead in? But as we'll come on to discuss with quite a lot of these teams that are facing Scottish opposition uh, this week, there's also the the problems related to COVID. Um, so Riga's uh, manager might miss the game because he's had to, to go back to Russia. Uh, he missed the, the Trefiori match. Um, so the don't know yet if he's going to be back in time, but there's even bigger problems for for some of the other uh, some of the other sides that we'll come on to talk about. Uh, yes, yeah, Spartak Moscow's former boss Oleg Kononov, um, he's probably not going to be in the dugout. So it's, I mean, it looks like a really tough tie on paper. But what are the chances of Aberdeen, you know, getting a result in Lisbon? Well, they might not have to, Andrew, because uh, this sporting... is why you're on the show, Kieran, for your knowledge. <laughs> Sporting is Sporting's game at the weekend was cancelled. Uh, they recorded ten positive cases in the middle of last week. Uh, so, as we well know as Scottish football fans from the Czech Republic, um, I was going to call it the Czech Republic fiasco, but you know we all know that was a, a glorious victory <laughs> for Steve Boxman uh, over in August a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, the year for rules say that a game could go ahead as long as uh, a team can field 13 players, including one goalkeeper. Yeah, important one for St Mirren fans there. Um, <laughs> so it seems like Sporting probably will be able to put together a team. They're obviously going to have more tests um, this coming week. The latest I had read about it was that Aberdeen will have to travel and might not even find out until the Wednesday if the game will go ahead on, on the Thursday. But obviously, if Sporting are missing uh, a whole host of players, either because of uh, tested positive themselves or in self-isolation because they've been in contact with teammates who have tested positive, that's going to make the game an awful lot easier than it first seems on paper. I mean, Sporting, although they haven't had the, the best couple of years, are still a very strong team. They finished mm-hmm. fourth in the, uh, in the Portuguese league uh, last season, so... Uh, I think that one's very much going to depend on who is available for for Sporting to play. And of course, Aberdeen are going to have to come back after losing pretty comprehensively against Motherwell as well. So they're going to need to give their fans something to shout about. So what about Motherwell up against Hapoel Beersheva, who have been up against Scottish opposition in recent years, haven't they? Yeah, well, for Scottish football fans are probably best known for the, the epic tie they had against Celtic in the qualifying for the Champions League in 2016-17. Um, Celtic won that tie, sort of clinging on, uh, despite losing 2-0 in Israel. And Apoel, uh, Bersheva have tended to be very strong at home, which is you know, unfortunate for Muddle that they've just been drawn away in this, uh, this one-off tie. That season that they played Celtic, they actually um, they got to the last 32 of the Europa League, knocking out Southampton and Inter Milan on the way. So no mugs at all. But since then, a couple of seasons, their, their European results haven't been uh, as good. They've tended to get through a few qualifying rounds and then to follow the final hurdle before qualifying for the, the group stages of either the, the Champions League or the Europa League. Finished fourth in, in the Israeli League uh, last season, Um but Israel is another country which has uh, has gone back into lockdown. Um, UEFA said that that won't affect the the game going ahead. That Mother will still be able to to travel. So at least there shouldn't be any threat to that match in terms of the uh, the COVID procedures. But yeah, certainly a very a very tough tie for Mother to to try and get through. And Villain Tway against Rangers. What do mm-hmm. we expect in that one? 
again, something that Scottish football fans can uh, appreciate. They were the uh, the great beneficiaries of the Dutch calling their season early, uh, like we did. They they were only three points ahead of the team chasing them, having played a game more, but on points per game. Uh, the way the the season finished, they they managed to to qualify for Europe. They Steven Gerrard actually spoke last week. They were a dangerous uh, Greek striker called uh, Vangelis Pavlidis, I believe, who scored uh, twice against Progress Niederkorn, another team known to uh, Rangers fans last week, um, who they thrashed in the, the previous round. And he also scored twice at the weekend as they, they won 4-0. Um, they beat Ajax away last season, so very uh, capable of, of causing an upset on, on their day. But... They're quite an attack-minded team, which should suit Rangers based off what we've seen in, in previous Europa League seasons. You know, Rangers have got a lot of very good results playing against teams that that come at them. You know that they can they sit in a little bit and counter attack. It's it tends to be for Rangers that they they struggle more when playing against a, a mass you know, mass ranks of defence. So again, based off Rangers Europa League results in in recent seasons, you would expect them to to go through. But again. This one-off format, playing the game away from home, uh, anything can happen, and it is quite a difficult one based on the fact of Villain because they they don't have a, a huge European pedigree, you know, weren't a, a seeded team, but obviously uh, finishing fifth in in the Dutch league, you know, shows that they they do have some caliber. Thanks a lot, Kieran. We'll see what happens on Thursday. So thanks a lot for speaking to us and letting us know the pronunciations of some of those teams as well. <laughs> Try my so. best. Kieran Canning from the AFP. All right, time now to get the odds with Paddy Power with producer Abby. First up, we've just been speaking with Kieran about the Europa League. So what odds can you give me on a quadruple header of success in Europe, please? Well, if I go through each individual match to begin with, Celtic are 1-5 to five to beat Riga, Rangers 4-6 to six to beat Willem, uh, Motherwell though 10-3, to three, that's when it goes in the opposite direction, Motherwell 10-3 to, to beat Hapoel Beersheva uh, and Aberdeen, even bigger odds, 17-2 to two to beat Sporting Lisbon. Uh, for the four of them to get through to the group stage, Paddy Power have got to that quite far out. It's 30-1 uh, to one, uh, for the Scottish, for a quadruple header of Scottish success in Europe. Wow. I mean, it's not happening, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is... Even whoa. with Sporting Lisbon riddled with coronavirus, there's still no way Aberdeen's getting through. I've no idea how Motherwell will get on against Apple Bay or Shavis. I know nothing about them. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I think there's another round to go too. But um, there's also a big match at the weekend as Celtic face Hibs. What's the best price there? Can Hibernian do what they did to Rangers to Celtic? Well, if you fancy the 2-2 draw, that's 18-1. to However, it is more likely that Celtic will win this 2-0. That's 5-1. to Celtic 1-4, Hibernian 17-2 and the draw 9-2. Cool. Well, thanks, Abby. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the funds stop, please stop. Fantasy football Scotland time. This is the this I can be quite happy this weekend because I had a good weekend. Laura's uh, really good at this. <laughs> well, Laura had an unbelievable weekend last week. I think it was when you got something like seventy-five points. That was insane. Uh, and in then contrast, in points. contrast to JJ this week, who had a minus sixteen-point hit. I mean, how many transfers did you make? Well, 
that would be four points per hit plus one free. So I counted the maths <laughs> in that five, I guess. But I mean, you must have been kind of happy to finish on minus two in the end. I'm just really impatient. And I don't want to have to wait for ages to make all the changes I want to make. Obviously, you need to have an ear in. Obviously, you need to have Duffy and he's scoring. And then, uh, and then my team, I'm looking at my team now. I don't even like what I've done to it. And I've but, already yeah. taken a CD point hit. Laura was telling you, me to get all the uh, Rangers defenders in. So I was trying to do that. And then, I texted oh. you last night. I texted you last night saying, like, have you used your wild card yet? So you I have. used that weeks ago. I told you. What? So you used Don't that. you listen to the podcast? Games, JJ. We've got a whole season to go. I know. We've like round three. Because I'm impatient <laughs> and I want to win. <laughs> JJ, you're not oh going to win. I'm in the league. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. How many points? Yeah, well, anyway, yeah. So I made made some bad um, decisions. It's a common recurring theme throughout my life, and uh, yeah. And not doing very well at fancy people. Well, that's nothing new. Everyone should know that. I, me I, I found, I found, um, which is unfortunate for me. I'm finding it really difficult to um, to replace players now because of the way that the transfer market works. You know, if players do really well, their their values go up, and players that don't do well, their values go down. So I'm really struggling. I have to find a replacement. It's very for complicated. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's so the one transfer for me though because the fact that you only get one transfer a week which is different from other fantasy games in other leagues it means it's so much more of a tactical game because you've got to be like right well if I want it's like, almost like playing chess where you're th- thinking three moves ahead you're thinking right I want him out my team but then to be able to afford him I need to take him out this week and then him out the following week and it's just yeah. it's, but it's the guy who's top of the league uh, the guy top of the league is the totally Scottish Football League one he takes like eight point hits all the time because then I guess you gamble and you make the point. It's just I think you've got to have you've got to be a bit brave with it sometimes and quite mm. wise. And unfortunately, those are neither the things I'm good at. So. <laughs> anyway, I like how you I know the well. theory, JJ, but you cannot apply it. This yourself. is it. This is all my like my world of football. I think I'm okay at analysing games. I can tell you how teams See, have done something, thing. but I can't this tell is, you what's going to happen. This is the thing I found, and there's there's a guy I work with as well who's the same. You guys are really good at analysing actual games and being good Nothing at the real football. But when it comes to fantasy, you try and apply real life football to fantasy football. Yeah. And it's a completely different game. Well, you, I'm going to capture Andy Constantine from now on and then we'll see who wins. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, as, as I'm sure none of you are Not interested. You. Not, yeah, no, no one listening to this is interested in our own little private league. But I jumped up to second place, um, well desperately trying to... Uh, retake, reclaim top spot. Uh, Brannon's sitting up there. Uh, I'm only, I'm only two points behind you, Brannon. But special mention for producer Abby, who doesn't have any Celtic or Rangers players in her team, and she got the most points out of the weekend, thirty-three oh, wow. in total. That's um, good, which is pretty tasty. The average score thing, of the weekend. Go on. Well, one thing to consider for everyone is that uh, Scott McKenna's off from Aberdeen, so I mean, if you had him in your team, you want to get someone else in. People like Constantine's cheaper, but you can maybe look elsewhere. And uh, uh, I wonder whether it's worth not having Edward in just now and having a Yeti because he keeps scoring like a goal a game. He's really high up in that. Christie seems to be on form too. Right, so, really good point. There we go. Good point, JJ. Good point. I mean, I'm sure everyone's going to listen to you. Well, exactly. <laughs> what's, what's, what's Laura's tip for this week? Oh, I've not looked at the fixtures actually to take it in properly to see who the remaining. We'll do it very quickly so we get a good tip. I think that's I think that's interesting for the. So yeah, so we've got we've got Hamilton against Dundee United. So Dundee United, off the back of a good win, could be going into this game with Shankland. Maybe going to score a few goals against Hamilton. Uh, Maybe we want to bring him in. Livingston will host St Johnston. Uh, Tough one that. Um, I've got 
McCrory in goal, so I might bring him back. Um, that's definitely going to be nil-nil. Uh, St Mirren, Kilmarnock. You've got Motherwell Rangers. So if you've got some Motherwell defenders, maybe want to take them, take them out. Celtic against Hibs. So I've got a few Celtic players and a few Hibs players. That'll probably mean that I'm going to have a tough week. And then Ross County, Aberdeen. So yeah, maybe you do want a captain. <laughs> Considine, JJ. Yeah, I would say the pick of that stands out is Livier at home uh, to St Johnson. So I would maybe recommend getting a Livier defender in. I think that I've got Devlin He's on their rapido. pitch against a team that's struggling. Um, they could be a good shout for bringing in a Livier defender. Um, I put Ross McCrory in my team before this week. Uh, didn't do very well for me. But you mean Rory? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Good old Rory. I like to think that I jinxed him by putting him in my team, though. <laughs> and I jinxed him in real life by not getting me a lot of points. Well, well, the good thing is he's not down as a defender, so you won't go like um, you won't go into negative points for goals conceded, etc. That is true. So yeah, it's probably a good one to have anyway. But if he does move back into a kind of more midfield um, attacking role, then you might find he, he gets you more points um, than playing in defence. Celtic Hibs. I don't know. I would stay clear of Celtic Hibs just now. I would keep my Celtic mainstays in. I don't know if I would maybe put... As I say, I've got Portis on the bench because he was playing Rangers. I don't know if I'll bring him back in for the Celtic game. I think he might stay there for another week. Well, I think that's enough uh, fantasy football news because that's the show. We're done. We're all over. Thank you so much for listening. All Happy birthday, Andrew! 30%. Oh, my God, you beat me to it! <laughs> I couldn't believe it. We are going to get through the whole podcast and I was going to slag you all off for saying... For not saying happy birthday. It was oh, my I birthday didn't know. today. Yes, Hold on a minute, Andrew. How I text you? you to say happy birthday. I text you at home. Yes, but I Hold want everyone to know about it. I want you to publicly I say happy birthday on this medium. I text you at 21 <laughs> minutes past midnight. I was probably one of the first people to say happy birthday to you. Yes, yes. That's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. But still, but happy birthday still I again. want to hear it on this. Thank you happy very much. Happy birthday again. And on that delightful note, we'll be back next week for more. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Little Kicks. Thanks for my birthday messages. Keep safe. Keep it totally. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. And be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Hello, listener. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, here to tell you why you need to be listening to the Totally Football League show. But apparently I've only got 30 seconds to do so. Reason one, we cover the most football of anyone. That's 72 clubs in total. Reason two, our panellists played actual football in the EFL. Whoa. And reason three, our music sounds like George Clooney is organising a heist. Oh, did I mention that we're now a bigger show than ever before, going out twice a week? Now that's more commitment to the EFL than even Sam Parking gave as a player. How often are the games coming, Sam? Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. That's the Totally Football League show, every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Did I do it? Muddy Knees Media.